everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Getting to Know Gray 17. I am your host, John, one of the co-hosts of the Gray 17 podcast. And with me today is another one of our first ones. Blake, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming. Please introduce yourself. So as John said, my name is Blake. I am one of the first ones on our podcast, meaning I am one of the ones that has watched this show far more than I care to admit uh, over the years uh, since it has been out and also watched it some on its original run. So I, I am one of the ones that makes John pull his hair out, scream with frustration every time we say we will discuss that beyond the rim. Beyond frustrating, beyond the rim, beyond frustrating. Um, okay, so let's talk about how you heard about or got involved with the Gray 17 pod. So I got involved with this because I'm actually one of the two that created the idea for this. Uh, so four years ago, uh, Scott, who's one of our other co-hosts, uh, him and I were doing a podcast called Discovering Star Trek. And it was around uh, Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> Please don't go look it up. We weren't that good at it at that point, but we were doing it and we were having fun. And one of the things Scott and I were talking in the background is him and I are both big fans of Babylon 5. We liked the show. We liked the writer. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski is actually one of our favorite writers and series creators out there uh, with his other body of work. So we started talking about how much fun it would be if we started doing a Babylon 5 podcast. And like I said, this was four years ago. So we've kicked this idea around for four years and finally got around to saying, you know what? There's talk of a reboot. There's talk of doing all this other stuff. Why not go ahead and do this? And we came up with this format of doing uh, the group of us that are the, quote, first ones, and then bringing in a group of you that have never seen the show before uh, to watch with us. And really for us to experience you watching it for the first time and annoying the hell out of you by answering all those things we can't tell you about. So you mentioned a little bit that you caught a couple of episodes or a little bit when it first aired. Uh, maybe walk us through a little bit more. So how did you come by Babylon 5? Did you just discover it? Did someone recommend it? How'd you get into it? So I would have been when Babylon 5 started about 10, 11 years old. And I remember I watched Star Trek The Next Generation. I remember watching Deep Space Nine when it premiered. And where I lived at the time, those were because they were in syndication, right? They weren't like it is now tied to a network. It was all syndication. And at where I lived, it was the local Fox affiliate that showed uh, Deep Space Nine, TNG, and any of that type of stuff. The Fox affiliate was also the affiliate at the time for what was PTEN, the Primetime Entertainment Network. So a lot of times, if you were watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine or something else on Fox, it would switch into PTEN, and the three shows really were Kung Fu, The Legend Continues, Time Tracks, which I also liked, and Babylon 5. So probably got into it just because I was too damn lazy to change the channel one time or something. And so Babylon 5 came on on Fox and I watched it on there and then it moved to TNT. And then after that, really going back uh, when I was a little bit older and watching the whole series from start, because when it went to TNT, they reshowed the whole thing from the start as a catch up. Uh, so I did that uh, catch up with it then. But when DVDs were of it out, I bought all the DVDs uh, right out of high school. So I had all those. I think I wore out a set of DVDs of it. They didn't uh, They didn't have VHS? I never did have it on VHS. I understand there were bootleg VHSs of the show out there. Uh, yeah. But when I bought it, it was on DVD. Uh, okay. Because I, I, uh, 
the other day I, I happened to be at my mom's house and she had a copy of that two VHS Titanic. I don't know if you remember that mm-hmm. behemoth yep, the and two, it made me think you were talking VHS about. Set. Yeah. Cause that was, I think 97, 98 when that came out. Yeah. So like towards the end of what would have been Babylon five. So I, I, it just made me think, I was like, I wonder if they did any VHS editions of Babylon five and how valuable those things would be by now. I don't know if they did any of the VHS because as we've talked about kind of on our main podcast, there wasn't a lot of merchandising budget um, behind the show. And honestly, it wasn't until it moved to TNT and got a bit of a resurgence uh, and more of a cult following that Warner Brothers, you know, in the quest for more money, sat there and went, hey, we might have something here. Uh, So they put out the DVD sets. Nice. All right, well, let's move into the show. Let's move into Grace 17. Um, so a couple of people have come before. So uh, if you've heard this before, I'm sure people will know who you know on the show because I've asked the previous host. But why don't you walk us through, you know, how you know the rest of the hosts and, and maybe a little more background there. So I have known quite a few of the hosts for damn near 20 years, I would say, because we were all part of this organization back in college in Illinois that I'm pretty sure most of us have needed to go to some form of rehab after our experiences with, uh, but it was called Model Illinois Government. Uh, for those of you that comment on our political commentaries, there's a reason we're all a bunch of political junkies, because uh, we are. And so most of it, you know, John, that's how I know you. Uh, yeah. You and I met through that. That's how I know Scott, uh, Kevin, uh, who I've known through that, Nicole as well. And then we've got some newer people that, you know, I've met through Scott, like Emily is a friend of Scott's. Mike is a friend of Scott's that I believe they go back to high school uh, mm-hmm. together. So, you know, they've known each other longer and I've met them through Scott. Andrew uh, is an uh, acquaintance through Scott as well. So it's kind of a mix of, I know several of you for 20 plus years, you know, Jesse's in that group of knowing for 20 plus years. And then we bring in this group of newer friends that Scott has known. So it's kind of a merging of all of these groups. Yeah, it's been, <clears throat> you say 20 years, it, it's, sometimes it's hard to think it's been that long, because it doesn't right. seem that long. Um, I just, I went to my 20 year reunion this last, yeah, this last year, and uh, getting old kind of sucks, to be honest. <laughs> I'll tell you, it just dawned on me, because, you know, you get these work anniversary reminders, and I, obviously, I mentioned I'm from Illinois, I live on the West Coast now, uh, I moved out here for my career, and it just pinged up at uh, my job the other day. I've been here 10 years now. Oh, geez. And, and it just doesn't seem like it's been 10 years. Well, let's stick with that. What, uh, why don't you tell us what you do for work? So I actually work for uh, state government. Okay. I do operations and policy work. So program administration, administrative rules, uh, looking at program assessment. Are programs being implemented with fidelity? Are they doing what they're supposed to do? Uh, so a lot of things like that. It, it is in the education field. I do work for a state education agency. Uh, it's very similar to what I did in Illinois before I moved out here to Oregon. What drew you out to Oregon? Just a job opportunity? Exactly. It's the job opportunity. I think there's a squeaky toy in your uh, background there, John. I might have a dog who insists on being a part of the show. I, I have two that do the same thing. So what got me here, obviously, I think you, being a resident of Illinois, you knew what the state fiscal situation was circa 10 years ago. Um, I was in a state position and we were doing furlough days. I was management service, so no pay raises, no real advancement opportunity, because it was one of those weird things of I was right at that level where I was management, but any of the positions above me were back into represented. Okay. So there were some really weird dynamics there. If I couldn't really promote out of my position, I couldn't really grow in my position. 
And Oregon sent an email out on a national listserv that said, hey, we're looking for someone that knows uh, early childhood education data systems. Oh. Uh, that knows it's spe specifically the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, uh, Part C of that. And they said, we're looking for someone that knows data uh, for this. Well, in Illinois, I was the data fiscal and privacy manager for that program. So I applied to Oregon <laughs> and ended up getting offered the position almost on the spot when I interviewed. Yeah, and, it sounds like a pretty specific call out that you had yeah. a very specific resume for. It, it was. <laughs> it was. They had a very specific need. And uh, when I applied for it, it was pretty much, yeah, there's this is who we want. And I ended up moving out here, got a pretty decent pay raise, and I've since moved to, I'm on my third position with the state out here now. Same agency, uh, doing different work, but I'm actually back in management service now, uh, working with a new program uh, that's putting roughly $500 million in grants into education uh, school districts and charter schools. Nice. Sounds like fulfilling work for sure. It is. It's always something different. So it's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, when you're not working, uh, when you have hobbies, when you're not rewatching or burning out copies of Babylon 5 on DVD, uh, what do you like to do in your spare time? I'm not sure I have spare time because uh, outside of my full-time job, I'm also involved with a charitable fraternal organization, uh, part of our state leadership uh, there, uh, working with that, working with our lodges throughout Oregon. We have 50 uh, lodges within Oregon with this organization. So I'm working with them. I also am our director of communications. So I do a lot of our public relations and marketing work uh, for our organization. So that, that keeps me pretty busy. Uh, I think last year I put over 12,000 miles on the car just doing stuff for this nonprofit work. Man. Well, what about, so we know you're a cook. We know you're a chef, right? We've yes. seen that. We've that, seen that. That is my stress relief. I do enjoy cooking. Uh, the other thing I do uh, sometimes when I just want to zone everybody out is I will mess with Legos. Uh, I've got the Lego Coliseum over my shoulder there. That was uh, that was actually one of the COVID projects when I was bouncing off the walls because you couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. Uh, so I bought myself the Lego Coliseum and put that together. Nice. How many pieces is that? I think that one's just over 10,000. And uh, it's, I did one recently uh, that was only maybe two or 3,000, I want to say. And uh, it was a lot of fun, but Boy, that's a lot of pieces. It's I, a lot of pieces. I can tell you that one is about a bottle and a half of Jameson's. <laughs> that's that. I think Lego should put that on their on their boxes instead of don't tell me how many pieces. Tell me how many bottles, how many shots, how many yeah. glasses. You know that that's that should be uh, how it is. So, um, okay. Well, if you can hear my dog, you mentioned you also have pets. Uh, mm -hmm. How many pets you got? I've got two dogs. We've got our older dog who is about seven. She's a rescue uh, from the California fire several years ago that they brought up to Oregon. Uh, she's a Corgi Terrier mix. Oh. And then we have a just under two-year-old Beagle. Now there's a combo. The under two and the over seven, how they get along? It depends on the day. <laughs> um, it, it's just because they're kind of opposites. The older dog is more of a, she wants to nap during the day and at night she'll prowl around, but she also just likes to cuddle up in mom's room and that's her thing. The beagle, on the other hand, wants to get up about 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning and she's up and it's time to party and play. Nice. And the other one wants nothing to do with it at that hour. Uh, all right. Well, since you you gave us a little insight into them, if the roles were reversed, if they could talk, what do you think they'd say about you? They would probably say that I don't give them enough treats. Well, that's fair. 
Yeah. The, the beagle thinks that because we only feed her twice a day that we are abusing and neglecting her. Um, but yeah, and the other one would probably say that I have this nasty habit of making, you know, food that they can smell but don't get to eat. Yeah, I think I think my dog's probably the same. I think most dogs are. There's never enough food. There's never enough. I don't know if I want to say it even out loud, the word, because she'll hear it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hit that T-R-E-A-T. Wait, what? What? We, is it time to party? So, uh, yeah, that's not necessarily surprising um, i think both of ours their favorite person food is salmon really and being obviously on the west coast we eat a lot of seafood because we've got fresh fish that's just readily available out here yeah and yeah they both love salmon and it's always a fun night when i make something with salmon in it because you will have both dogs actively trying to get your plate begging the whole nine you know sitting there with the paw up all of it nice that's uh um... actually one night played the uh in the arms of the angel song on my phone and just set it there with them as they're sitting there staring at us eating. <laughs> Who doesn't love, did you, I, I don't know if you watched the Super Bowl, but um, there was a commercial during it that had um, what's her face. Is it Sarah McLaughlin? Mm-hmm. I had that commercial. They made a riff on that and it just made me think of that was, it was a hilarious commercial, but, um, <clears throat> but speaking of music, what's your go-to karaoke song? So I have a very strong belief on karaoke. Uh, well, let's hear it that it is a lot like spandex that okay. just because it comes in someone's size does not mean that they should wear it i am not one of those people that is musically gifted john yeah I, I i know my limitations and yeah karaoke is not one of those things uh, that i do now i can run a soundboard i can mix something and make it sound good but as far as playing an instrument or god forbid having to sing something that is not my thing i don't know you know Emily mentioned something similar when I asked her this question. I don't understand why people, I am the exact opposite. I think if you're terrible, bring it on. In fact, if the more terrible, the better. And I think America is with me. I remember a little show called American Idol and it's highest ratings were consistently the beginnings when all of the world's loveliest non-singers got up and belted out their, their favorites. It was always my favorite part of the show. Now I'm not saying, you know, I want to hear a whole night of it, mix in one or two good voices to cleanse the palate. But look, I, to me, so I, here's what I followed up with Emily too. Now, if you're not in front of a bunch of people, but you're driving or you're going somewhere, everyone's got it. The shower, everyone's rocking a song. What song comes on to you though, that you just start belting out? You have to sing it. I would say anything by Queen or Elton John. Class. Okay. Top three Queen or songs. Billy Joel. I'll throw Billy Joel in that too. Top three Queen songs. Top three Queen songs, uh, Gotta Break Free is in there, Under Pressure, uh, just because I think that sums my life up most of the time. And and I am blanking on the name of it. It's the one that he does with the guitar, and it's just a love of my life. That's the one. Nice. Nice. See, there you go. So next time you're in a bar or there's a chance for karaoke, you know they have Queen. Just, just go with it. Just go with it. They don't have enough booze in the bar to make that happen, John. Well, let's say it's two coliseums worth. Maybe we'll get. Maybe we'll be. <laughs> we'll be close enough to it. Um, all right. So, because this is an interview, and I've asked you a bunch of questions, what is one question that you wish maybe me or anyone else would ask you more? So the one thing I do wish I got asked more about is actually the organization that I'm part of and 
everything we do with that because I talk about it a lot on my social media, the things we do, because it is a fraternal organization that's charitable and the things we do for uh, our communities, because it's one of those things I've been in for 18 years and I've seen from the inside view the things that we we do, the groups that we work with, um, you know, especially when you've got a veteran talking about something that you did that to you just isn't that significant because, you know, wasn't that much money or wasn't that much effort, but you hear them talking about what it meant to them. So I kind of wish people would ask more about some of that type of stuff that I do uh, that I'm involved in and learn more about the organization and what we do. Okay. Uh, is there, do you want to maybe give us which organization you're talking about? I'm sure people are, are interested. Yeah. So it is the Benevolent Protective Order of Elks or Elks Lodges. Uh, we've got close to 1900 across the country, actually. Uh, like I mentioned, we've got 50 here in Oregon, but we're in every state U.S. territory and said 2000 lodges across the country. So there's one near you somewhere. Uh, I don't doubt it. I think I have mentioned this to you before. I actually became uh, a member myself uh, years ago when I went back to school. There's a, a lodge in Macomb, uh, which is the, the, the community that I went to school in, and uh, they were looking for members and, and reaching out, and I, I joined. And so I'll echo what you said. They do a lot of good work in the, the little time, not nearly as involved as, as you obviously are, but um, they put on some really great events. They helped a lot of people. I know uh, you mentioned veterans. We did a lot of good work uh, as a veteran myself. I really, really loved it. And um, so, yeah, so I would recommend anyone else check them out. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of links you can find the Elks online. I, I think it's a fairly known organization. So it shouldn't yeah, be. We're pretty easy to find these days. We, we, we went through a period where we did a lot of great stuff and told no one, but we, we are coming out of that phase and you can find us almost everywhere now. Awesome. All right, let's flip it then. So you wish people ask you more about the Elks, uh, which I'm happy to do. What do you wish people would ask you less about? Oh, what do I wish people would ask me less about? I think the question on what would I want to be asked less about usually has to do with the why do you feel the need to discuss politics or why do you engage in these things? You know, okay. it's to me, it's kind of a cop out from, I don't want to have the discussion. So I'm going to question why you do. Yeah. So I, I always hate that when it's like, well, I just don't understand why you want to discuss these things or why you have to bring these things up. It's like, why are you avoiding the subject? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that's uh, you know, that kind of used to be the, you know, you don't, there's certain things we don't talk about, right. You don't talk about mm -hmm. religion, politics and stuff. And it's like, so I didn't grow up in a family like that. We talked about everything. In fact, we still talk about everything. And so to your point, I was, um, I guess, put off or surprised when I started going to friends' houses, you know, you start getting a little older and you start bringing stuff up and they're looking at you cross like, Hey, we don't, we don't talk about that. I remember, uh, one of my best friends, uh, you know, I was asking him about his family's like religion. And he was like, well, we don't talk about that. And I was like, what does that mean? You don't talk about it. And he was like, well, yeah. we, just, we don't really talk about that. And I was like, well, all right. <laughs> Same thing with politics and be like, Hey man, you know, um, or, so now dating, it's interesting. My, my ex, we initially started off with some differing ideologies. I'd like to think I enlightened her. She converted a little bit. Now her family, on the other hand, was way different. And uh, it's, I again, went into it with the same thing. Like, well, let's talk about it. Why not? Mm -hmm. And it was very quickly like, no, nah, we don't, we don't talk about that. Like, okay. To your point, why, why not? Yeah. And it's it's all over the place. And it's getting worse, it seems, especially in in all five say where I notice it is a lot of the people that do that are the ones who aren't necessarily impacted by the political issues or discussions of the day. So I think that's where it gets to be a bit more of a annoyance for me. It's like you don't want to talk about it because you don't want to engage in the discomfort of it. Well, and I think, you know, a little bit, it kind of 
at least to what we're seeing now, right? When you don't talk about things, it gets so taboo. It also gets so personal that people, it, that it is an event when it should just be a normal course of uh, conversation. You know, you should be mm-hmm. free to, and if you continue that sort of discourse, it, it lessens it, I think, dramatically a little bit so that it's more comfortable. And I think people would be more comfortable saying, I don't know. Now, because of how we consume everything, I think people get real reluctant to say, oh, I don't know. Or I don't really have an opinion because I don't know enough about it. You just, you know, you have to pick a side. There's so much tribalism with it. Like you're either this or that means you're against it. It's kind of a shame. Kind of a shame. Okay. Uh, Let's switch up with a switch question. Okay. So if you could switch lives with any single person, whether currently alive or the past for one day, so you don't get a year, you don't get away, but for one day, you get to be this person with your body, with your mind. So it's, it's still you. Who are you switching with? Any one person for a day. Yeah. This has been one of my favorite questions to ask because of the responses we've gotten so far. Because there's so many ways you could go with this one, because you could go with the, you know, do you want to go with the philosophical, oh, pick this great, you know, person, or do you go with just the random stupid person because you think it would be fun Mm -hmm. Uh, to switch with this person which you know having been to a few of his concerts and seen him I would honest God say Elton John for the one day just because seeing the guy's personality at least what you see of it and you know the stories you've heard about uh, some of the excesses in his life I'd probably actually say Elton John circa the 70s early 80s because that would just be a hell of a day um yeah that's a good choice uh that time frame is a makes it an even better choice um, and actually, so one of the other questions I usually ask is which actor would you choose to play you in a biopic? Are you just going to go Elton John? Is Elton John playing Blake in the, in the Blake story? No, it would not be Elton John. And the, the problem is the person I would pick really can't play me because it really wouldn't work, but you know, cause you just can't get Morgan Freeman to play me, but just the classy way that man can swear. I listen Unless we went with Michael Caine, I think I could probably get away with Michael Caine in the classy swearing also. So first of all, I'm all about Hamilton casting rules. If you want Morgan Freeman to play you in the Blake biopic, by all means, pick him. Uh, I asked Mike, uh, you know, last episode, he went with Lawrence Fishburne. So we got a little trend going now where we've got fantastic <laughs> actors, just, you know, slightly different look to him. Then I, I would say Morgan Freeman, just because the man can swear in such a classy way. He could say anything in the class. He could tell me I have six months to live. And I'd be like, damn, that Morgan Freeman. It's just, okay. All right. (laughs) He's got a good voice. I like it. Um, All right. Let's go to back to gray 17. So let's talk about what your favorite memory of gray 17 has been so far. I think the favorite memory so far is watching and it's not so much any one memory, but more kind of around a time period is we hit a point within season two where we really started to see all of you newbies watching the show start to click with some of the pieces that were in the show and really starting to and even enjoy what we were watching. Mm-hmm. Um, season one was a little rough. Um, we're, we're pretty sure a couple of you were going to bail on us in season one. And you stuck with it. And there was just that point in season two. And it's like the it clicked into place and it went, aha, they get it. They're starting to see why the rest of us have liked this for so long. Yeah, I, I don't know if we probably didn't say it enough, but, you know, everything season one usually is 
little rough or a little, mm-hmm. you know, it's very, very rare to have a, a show from start to finish be great um, for a myriad of reasons, especially back in the 90s. It's been, we've talked about uh, on the show about the lack of serialized television just overall, where now it's just expected. Um, yeah. So I knew it'd be a little rough. I think there were moments where I was like, damn, this is really rough. I don't know if I can keep going with it. But uh, I obviously definitely am one of those people who is a full on convert now and and a, a full on Babylon 5 fan. So now we it, just have to convert you to a Franklin fan. Let's not get crazy. Um, okay. <laughs> well, maybe that will answer this next question. What's the thing you're looking most forward to with Gray 17? I am looking forward to when you have all seen the entire arc of this thing, but also when you all go back and start listening to the Beyond the Rim segments to hear the commentary from the rest of us commenting on your predictions and questions and all of these pieces uh, through the few years we're doing this. So you think we'll have to have a a, a addendum show or a spinoff show where it's just us newbies uh, responding to all of the Beyond the Rims from the last what will have been what three years four years i'm definitely thinking there's going to have to be a show at some point with the newbies going back and listening to beyond the rim and uh, sharing your thoughts on our beyond the rim commentary after you know everything well i'm down for that because i just get excited thinking about oh there will be a day where i will know the whole story and i won't have to constantly avert my eyes for a spoiler here or not buy this piece of merchandise since we're talking about merchandise because it might be a spoiler so um it's probably been one of the the harder things especially now with how we consume media it's all right there i know right now if i end this interview i could go watch every episode i could get all the answers i want the fact that i can't or shouldn't really bums me out and, and then you get to hate us all in the process. It's so great. Oh, there's fewer, fewer things are more frustrating than, uh, all right, let's go to questions. Well, we'll talk about that beyond the rim. It's just a joke that you're not in on that everybody else is. And uh-huh. I, I love our fans. And uh, they also get to be in on the joke and just laugh and laugh and have such a good time at our expense. I love it and hate it at the same time. So once you get to go back and watch them and hear some of our comments... Oh, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you guys, uh, some of the stuff we've thrown out, some of the red yarn and the tinfoil, I, I, uh, I think it, it will be beyond interesting to, to hear. I, I, not even just for me, like not to, oh, how close was I or how far off I was I? Some of the stuff that like Justin said or, or Jesse's done, Emily has taken a turn down oh, Q yeah. and <laughs> lane. So uh, I'm, I'm interested in some of that. So, all right. Well, usually we end these things with, uh, Two truths and a lie. So not necessarily in that order. Um, So you're going to give us two truths and a lie. And then below in the comments, uh, everyone will take a guess to which is the lie. And then after this airs in about a week or so, uh, we will reveal what the answer is. So Blake, give us two truths and a lie. So I can say that I was detained in London, meaning the UK. Okay. by police for entering a secure location accidentally near 10 Downing Street. Oh, okay. I have been in the Oval Office. Okay. And I have met three U.S. presidents, which I could name the three if you would like the three named, but I have met three U.S. presidents. Go for it. Give us the names. Carter, one of the Bushes, and Obama. 
All right. All right. Now that's, that's uh, some interesting truths and a lie. So to recap, you have been detained for perhaps accidentally entering a place near 10 Downing that you should not have. You have been to the Oval Office and you have met three pre- in the Oval Office. I'm sorry, in the Oval Office, key identifier, and have met three presidents, Carter, one of the Bushes and Obama. All right, so below, let us know which one you think is the lie from Blake. And as I mentioned, in about a week or so after this airs, we will let you know the answer. Um, okay, well, this was fantastic. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I like to let the, the, the guest, this is your time. Anything you want to say? Anything you want to share? Last thoughts. So I think the last thoughts for me is, obviously, we've been having a blast with this podcast, all of you listening along. Um, you know, Scott and I had an inkling that when we started this, we might be on to something. And we thought, you know, by season four or five, we might have a good audience. The fact that this has blown up with the fan community that we have, um, it has been incredibly supportive. Um, you know, there's a few bad apples and everything, but by and large, the fan community has been incredibly supportive. Uh, we've got the League of Non-Aligned podcast going, where every now and then we hop on with a whole group of other Babylon 5 podcasts. Uh, that we get to talk to. We've had the amazing opportunity to interview cast members from the show. So, I mean, this thing has been so much fun to do and doing it with um, our group of friends along the way, uh, despite, you know, the personalities that we have and the, the some of the struggles we've had with that. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all friends doing this and we've got a great community supporting us. So it's going to be fun to see where we go for the next uh, rest of season two and beyond. Yeah, and it's crazy to think that in real time, I think somebody said it's like another two years. So yeah. it's it seems like we've come so far. And I think but I think we dropped our first episode in June or July of last year. I think it was July. I, so I think right around when we, we recorded that was I actually had COVID and couldn't talk for a couple of those early episodes. Because uh, yeah. if I did, I was breaking into coughing fits really bad. Um, so yeah, it would have been right around July when we dropped the first round of this. So talking about what, eight months and it already seems yeah. like so much has, has happened and gone through and we're barely scratching the surface. So I'm excited to see where this goes. So, um, but thanks for coming on today. Thanks for uh, sharing that info. Um, I appreciate it. And for everyone listening, watching, thank you as well. Please come back um, for the rest of the hosts. Um, go ahead and watch the previous episodes if you haven't already. And as another reminder, uh, you can catch Blake and I on the Gray 17 podcast where we are watching Babylon 5. But Blake for the billionth time and me for the first time. So uh, you can find all of those links uh, below, all of our socials. Um, for Getting to Know Grave is 17, I have been John. And with me has been Blake. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button to get notified when more of these come out. And if you really want to do us a favor, find our podcast on your podcast app of choice and go ahead and leave us a review. Just make sure to give us a few stars with it. Even if you hate us, give us those five stars. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Blake. I appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, everybody.